Well, hello, and thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Professional Pricing Society podcast. My name is Terrence, and I will be your host for the discussion today. And we do have a dynamic duo with us, two amazing <laughs> guests joining us. But before we introduce them, I would like to remind everyone that we are going to be in Dallas, Texas this upcoming May, okay? The 34th Annual Spring Pricing and Workshop Conference will be held during the first week of May, the 2nd through the 5th. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you all to learn more about the conference and register now to catch the early bird discount by visiting our website, pricingsociety.com. Now, our amazing speakers today are going to be Jason McDonald and Yale Kwan. Both of them lead private equity commercial transformation practices at a company called Alex Partners. Jason McDonald is the partner and managing director with 25 years of experience delivering EBITDA improvements in tech, telecom, and service entities as an executive leader and as an advisor. Yale Kwan is a director with 20 plus years of consulting and industry experience in high tech, media, and telecommunications. They will be talking with us about how to grow your top line in a down market. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Great, Terrence. Hey, Terrence. Good, good. I'm really glad, really glad and excited to have you all for today's conversation. Um, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to waste too much time. I want to go ahead and just jump right into it with you all. Um, you recently wrote an article called How to Grow Your Top Line in a Down Market. Now, this is a very necessary article, I would say. Okay, so what led you all to write this piece together? Well, that's a great question, Terrence. And thanks for having us on, by the way. Um, you know, we've seen over the last 18 months a real uptick in clients who've come to us who are struggling through you know, current uncertainties and market disruptions. And, and, and as a firm, Alex Partners, you know, we really focus on helping uh, private equity portfolio clients and other organizations really achieve meaningful impacts to their performance. And often it is when they face disruptions, either market disruption, maybe they're going through a, a merger or an acquisition, maybe it's a carve out. But really recently we've seen this real uptick and, and, you know, and just a quick recap of what's happening. You know, you're seeing a lot of economic turbulence, you know, free money is drying up as the as the rates are going up. Um, there's a lot of competitive disruption. A lot of companies now are accelerating their adoption of advanced digital tool sets and even AI uh, in a very practical way to drive impact. And so a lot of our clients are facing this. And in fact, they're also hitting changes in customer demand. Customer dynamics are changing with, with this volatile market that we're in. And so we're seeing a lot of companies, especially in tech, media, telecom, uh, you know, facing this this point where they've they've grown over the last several years at any cost, they have bloated GNA structures. You know, they've got a lot of cost on hand, and they're not quite sure how to navigate this. And and so, in fact, beyond our anecdotal experience, we're also looking at the data that came out of our recent disruption survey. So, Alex Partners every year does the survey of about three thousand CEOs, and about seventy five percent of them are anxious about adapting fast enough because things are changing right now. And 85% struggle with where to start. So bottom line, you know, Yale and I found that with our teams, we were seeing a trend emerge over the last year or so where winning companies were coming to us with a kind of a different mindset. Rather than just how do we cut costs, they're much more open to talking about how do we turn this into an opportunity? How do we actually enhance competitive advantage? And most importantly, what are the tactical steps we can take right now to stay resilient as they deal with this, this disruption. And so over the course of the last year and a half or so, we've been building up this playbook with, with really dozens of engagements. And so that inspired us to say, you know what? 
there's there's something here. Um, you know, the secret sauce just isn't bringing good analytics, but it's about, although they are important, you know, the, the really key thing here is execution, getting these leadership teams to drive real tactical change. And we thought, let's let's write an article about this and, and share our findings. Okay, it's a great background and synopsis of the reason why this was kind of brought about. You know, where where should they look, you know, yeah. regarding uh, this? Yeah, now that, that's where you, now we get tactical, and that's a great uh, question. I think, you know, often when we deal with a client in this kind of situation, we, we do a quick strike, and that's when we take about five weeks and we just do a full body scan of the company. We look at all the opportunities, we collaborate closely with leadership, and we find, you know, what are all the cost out opportunities that we have? And, and often when an organization brings us in, because of the engagement is framed that way, especially in, in this environment, a lot of companies are saying, gosh, we got to cut GNA costs. We got to fix our third party spend. We have to fix our supply chain. We need help right now to enhance EBITDA. So when the project's framed up like that, guess what happens? The, the head of sales will say, hands off my sales org. Don't touch my sales team. Don't you dare talk about, you know, reducing staff or changing. Sure. You know, we can't afford any disruption in revenue and everybody gets scared. Um, same thing with the head of marketing, head of pricing, you know, a lot of pushback because they think we're just coming in to just swing an ass. Now, that's when we start in, in, you know, what do we look at specifically? What do we sort of target to, to drive real change? And what we found is that there are plenty of opportunities on the commercial side to drive tactical and meaningful improvements in, in operational effectiveness. Uh, real improvements in top line in, say, one to two quarters. So we're not talking, let's say, sales strategy. We're not talking mm -hmm. pricing strategy. We're talking pricing effectiveness. We're talking sales operational effectiveness. And so we tend to look in, in a few key areas. One would be, let's call it sales and marketing effectiveness. And, you know, that gets into um, a whole slew of tools and, and, and options we have to drive process effectiveness and operational impact in a very short time frame. We also get into product and pricing and profitability, and that's sort of shifting the organization to a more margin mindset and better pricing governance, uh, you know, executing on portfolio rationalization, really driving immediate change to sort of think more uh, carefully and, you know, in, in a more profit-oriented way about the products you're taking to market. Mm -hmm. And then customer value is sort of that last area. This is one that really interests me, customer value. What this is all about is, a lot of companies have lost faith in their ability to get new customers. So they're saying, okay, right now in this market environment, we can't acquire a lot of new customers. How do we expand value with our existing customer base? How do we get better wallet share, drive down churn, drive yeah. up retention? And so we've had a lot of success in that as well. You know, in one company we had, it was a $30 billion uh, media company carve out, very big complex carve out. And we improved their revenue by 450 million in the wow. first year alone. Yeah, huge impact just by programmatically addressing uh, current customer base, retention, loyalty. And so these are these are sort of these tactical things that we go after in a very you know sort of one to two to three to four quarters. And and instead of thinking long term, you know, we're thinking short term. And that starts to win over those heads of sales and mm. and, the, and the CMOs and they say, okay, we see the value here. Let's maximize our bank for the buck what we are spending versus just reducing staff. Wow. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think um, it kind of really gets into the right opportunity. We talked about it. 
And when you look at the pricing um, as a, in downturn economy, we believe there's a major opportunity for sure. Sure. So we see a lot of increasing cost structure and, and rising interest rates. And we see a lot of companies raising their prices to offset the economic pressure. But I just want to iterate some of the, what he said, Jason, um, um, previously. And pricing effectiveness is a key thing, right? Um, I mean, you know, when you look at all the, you know, a lot of people that are sales team, they like to discount too much because they want to hit the quotas or they pricing the product ineffectively. So once you have the right pricing compliance setting up in the right way, such as setting up the right um, you know, governance structures or rigorous pricing stage gate, you can really mitigate disruptions mm. and the companies can better manage their pricing structures. Mm. Um, and then I wanna talk about the AI and then artificial intelligence now. I mean, ChatGPT is a hot topic now in the market. Mm. And I know we also have also AI driven tool set to help the clients, but then there are specialized software vendors um, who can help the companies to make the um, pricing structure better and to drive the top line impacts. Um, and then I really want to highlight the last one is the customer segmentation and tier pricing. And people just like, you know, blindly go after, hey, there's a pricing we're going to go after. But once you really understand the na nature of your business, understand your customer behaviors, you mm -hmm. want, may want to have a different tier pricing set and the understanding their profitability really help you to drive what's the right pricing strategy that could really enhance your customer lifetime values. I mean, you may tell this this become very, you know, a theory approach, but, you know, Jason and I worked a number of clients mm -hmm. and Jason, you might share some of the clients that we worked together, the SaaS company that um, about a, a few months ago, that's setting up the good compliance set and that we were able to get a right our revenue opportunity within the kind of yeah. first quarter. No, great point. You know, you know, you know, this brings to mind, it's funny, Terrence, there are, there are a lot of these companies that are that we've been helping and it you know it's this cost out opportunity and then we get in there we start looking under the hood mm -hmm. and we actually start talking about these commercial opportunities and so to yale's point there's this one company we wrapped up with about six months ago where uh it, it's a market leading online training provider so mm -hmm. uh, about 800 million in revenue and nice. really start, you can imagine online training corporate training demand is down right so so they're struggling with reduce demand. So how do they maintain profitability? And as we started driving all these cost out opportunities, we found, we started running analyses on pricing. We found that, uh, you know, there's this, just this scatter plot, that's a mess of uh, prices all over the place with salespeople reacting out of fear and just giving discounts all over the place for specific training for their corporate clients. And so that's having a real impact. So we, we, you know, it was a, basic analysis, but we incorporated that into a governance model to put in place new a new level of pricing compliance uh, and brought in, we empowered the pricing team to sort of own that governance. Mm -hmm. We reported directly to the CEO. There was like a deal desk. We put in place these, these enforcement mechanisms and 20 million up uh, top line impact in 90 days. 20 wow. million impact in 90 days, yeah. So, so they were, at that point, they were super excited. And so we started to broaden the discussion, but that's a good sort of tactical example of what Yale's talking about. Wow, that's, that's amazing. You know, you talk about, clearly there's a lot of opportunity, you know, in, in pricing and thinking about pricing effectiveness. So that's amazing. Is there ever a time, let me ask you about this. Is there ever a time where it may be dangerous to raise prices uh, during a downturn? Well, let me just cover the uh, question here. Um, sure. You don't know that pricing is an essential element of any business. And then, however, just blindly raising price can backfire you. And the real danger is ignoring the pricing altogether. 
And sometimes, I mean, companies raise price too high and sometimes they discount too much. But so it is crucial to understand the importance of profitability of customers and customers' perceived value to develop an effective pricing strategy. Um, I mean, I've talked about briefly before, but in the understanding the profitability of the products and customer perceived values, and people just like don't, don't have much visibility. They're not, they don't have much transparency either. Mm. On, on the other hand, if you look at winning companies, they utilize decision tools that take into account customer segmentation, both product and customer profitability, and other important factors to generate pricing increases. Mm. Um, but then you know what? Not just that, you also need to look into your macro and micro factors when that affects your business. But at the same time, you, you have to really raise your price to sustain your profitability. But how, but just going back to my previous comment, please do not make pricing decision based on your subjective assessment or so-called gut feelings. <laughs> I mean, and you also need to consider your computer's pricing move to, uh, to defend your market share at the same time. But then the last one is, you know, you understand your uh, kind of inward subjective assessment, but computers move. The last thing is about your customer perceived values. Every buyer, they have a mental, uh, mental buckets. And for example, I'm not gonna spend any more than hundred bucks per my cell phone bills or cable fees. And same thing as your client, your customers. Truly understand your customer perceived value. You should be able to make informed pricing decision of which will help your business grow and succeed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great point, Yale. I'll, I'll add to that quickly. Um, sure. It's, it's interesting, Terrence, because this really gets to um, a, a change in how organizations make decisions when it comes to changing prices in a rapidly evolving market, right? And, and so, um, yes, raising prices can be dangerous, but the fact is we've seen a lot of companies uh, taking advantage of better operational efficiency and, and, you know, sort of in the back office to give them more freedom to maybe cut prices if they need to, but maybe sometimes they come back with a more rational approach and say, in this particular segment, given what competitors are doing, given where we are, we can actually raise prices and get a little more value. Uh, and so both up or down, at least it's a rational data-driven process. That visibility and that ability to make the right decisions is critical and the common theme we see with our clients is they lack that one source of truth. They lack that one key point to say, okay, let's make a decision. And therefore, to Yale's point, they revert to anecdotes and, and fear. Mm -hmm. And oh, another and gut feelings. Yeah, yeah, totally gut feeling. And, and that's a real problem, uh, especially when, you know, you're, you're in this reactive state, right? Sure. And, and so companies get into this death spiral of just cutting costs and, and trying to, you know, cut their way to prosperity just doesn't work. You've got to be bold and going to the market with an informed, proactive point of view on what, how you can respond. And that's easier said than done. That takes some real systems in place. It, it takes some process change and empowering the pricing team, empowering the leadership team to make those decisions and not letting the sales team sort of react out of fear. Mm, that's good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to I guess being proactive and not acting out of fear, you know, when it comes to the pricing team, pricing teams can't succeed unless the sales force is on board, you know, in, in, in most cases. How do you explain that? Like, how do you go about doing that, getting the sales force team on board? Yeah, that that's not always an easy journey, uh, but we've we've gotten there because ultimately it's it's in their best interest once they realize that we'll keep the pricing team accountable to sustain pricing discipline and to really enforce uh, the policies, but the sales team are accountable to drive performance and, mm -hmm. and 
right? And so when you have that joint accountability, what we do then is we put in place some key capabilities and structures. Uh, one is, you know, a pricing committee. So uh, the key here is, and you're going to hear me say cross-functional a lot when I when I think about this, but the key is, it's it's you have the governance and, and compliance on pricing that involves finance. It's got the product people. It's got the sales team in the same room, and their chief mission is how do we guard against revenue leakage? How do we avoid these missed opportunities? How do we not make decisions based on fear? Right? Mm. Uh, and so that pricing committee is key. The other thing is this revenue win room. Now, we used to call it a revenue war room. Uh, we've, we've now changed the revenue win room uh, as more positive. Sure. <laughs> positive <laughs> but uh, but um, this is one that we I've had a lot of luck with, um, regardless of the nature of the commercial engagement. I always like to put these in place. And this is basically a another cross-functional group that they get together with the executive team and they drive out the right questions across sales, marketing, finance, product, manufacturing. And what this is, is how do we, and, and you're not looking backwards. You don't want to look back and say, what did we miss in the last two months of this quarter? Mm-hmm. We, we change them to look forwards and say, okay, we've got you know 45 days left in the quarter. What do we do right now to optimize uh, our revenue, our commercial performance, and the results of this coming quarter. So it's a proactive point of view that takes um, the digital tools. Uh, sometimes we bring, we've brought in some AI tools to do it as well. I could talk about that in a moment, but mm-hmm. um, it gets because AI has really become a real thing. But the bottom line is the pricing team has a voice there, and you're no longer and so easily empowered to just overrule basic pricing parameters. And because we can measure week after week, month after month, we can measure value lost from lack of compliance to pricing, that opens their eyes, right? That changes the conversation. And people who push back a lot more forcefully on the salespeople when they're saying, no, you can't give a 75% discount. Uh, <laughs> there's no need to. Let's go to the table and, and give them the price that we need. And you'd be amazed how many customers don't walk away. It, it actually does work. And so that yeah. that's, that's a key structure to keep that in place and get... And ultimately, to your question, keeping sales on board, that joint approach across functions, the visibility to executive management and the accountability, I think sort of gets sales, the sales team in the right mindset. And they're a lot more cooperative and, and willing to kind of play ball as, as we go forward. Can I just add up one more point there, Jason? Yeah, um, please. It's also a culture shift. I mean, you look at past five years, economy is booming. Everyone's just, just grow, grow, grow. They don't care about the pricing. And I could give you a hit to quota. And then what happened was a lot of sales guys start, you know, giving a huge discount at different marketplace. Mm. Now the downturn economy, money is not cheap. And now we're thinking about the hell, what's the right pricing tactics? Or right, what, what could be our rising, right pricing strategy? And we often see a lot of times nowadays when, when we work with a lot of different clients, they start to building these global pricing committees or global pricing council to control the balance of what's better for different market what's better for different customer segmentations. And you may think, that, oh my God, setting up the committee on another governance structure is gonna be a commercial work, but you can always start small. If you have a few people in the finance, sales, marketing, cross-functional teams sit, uh, sit together, we just launched a new global co- a pricing council for, council for my client right now. And That's then awesome. they start small and they run a small pilot and see how that goes. They're gonna test out a few different products. They can continue to grow and then evolve their uh, pricing strategy. Wow. 
very detailed and very intricate, but it seems <laughs> so simple, doesn't it? And I like the concept of a uh, pricing win room, you know, yeah. that, that cross-functional concept of everybody coming together to really hone in on this topic and it not just leaving it just to one department or just one team. So that's yeah. a phenomenon in, in itself. Now, when it comes to the pricing team, you know, how can they take the lead in this case? Mm -hmm. Like where, where do they, do they take charge? How do they kind of initiate this conversation? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And Terrence also, you know, previous point, that cross-functional alignment is so key to keep this mm -hmm. sustainable, right? It is so, I can't, under you know just uh, underestimate the value here because it's uh they need to have that they they a lot of times you'll have silos and they're pointing fingers at each other mm -hmm. and, and it gets nowhere and everyone's blaming everyone else <laughs> by the top lines dro dropping we see it all the time mm -hmm. uh, and so then so to your question about you know pricing team taking the lead so one is authority uh you know and this is something some organizations stay away from giving the pricing team authority why because often sales teams want to overrule that they you know they come back and somehow they have better intel than everyone else and they say this customer he'll walk away if i go up 10 percent. it's just not going to work well you have to sort of have this mechanism in place where a deal desperate view a cross-functional discussion have executive management involved in cases where maybe you're at a stalemate get mm -hmm. the executive management involved so giving that pricing team that authority to have those conversations in those deal desk reviews, especially for large enterprise accounts or, you know, a meaningful change in, in, in the profit margin of a, of a product or a service, you got to, they got to be empowered. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, tactically speaking, what does that mean, if, you know, uh, in real terms? So a couple of things they can do. One is in that decision life cycle. So, you know, when you think about pricing stages, you got price setting, you got price governance, and you have pricing execution, right? So, Along those three steps, setting, governance, execution, uh, what role does a pricing team play in owning that and driving the policies and compliance? And how do they remain sustainable? That's the next question. Mm -hmm. So that gets through, you know, basically the, the the chief revenue officer or maybe even the CEO, if necessary, if it's that bad, is involved on in improving and defining these policies and stages that, that the pricing team can kind of drive. And then they then own, the pricing team owns the execution tools, the, the, the bid price guidance tools or discount guideline tools or, um, you, know, um, you know, that scatter plan I mentioned of where people are discounting across your organization. They should own that, right? And then they should report on the trends, the exceptions, the good decisions, the bad decisions. They can own those reports, not the sales team, right? Let the pricing team own that. And so they're reporting to the revenue win, win room. I almost said revenue war room. Uh, the, the revenue win room. They're reporting in those in those discussions. Okay, here are the bad prices that got out. Here, you know, here's the value impact. Here, here are all the good decisions that we made. That's key for them to own that and drive that. And I think mm. if if you give them that authority and you give them that ownership, we've had tremendous success with these pricing teams and having a real sustained role in, uh, in helping to drive real improvement with the company. Giving them power and, and giving them the authority to do, you know, to lead that conversation, to execute. Um, Yale and Jason, I want to thank you so much for your time today. This is an amazing article. For the listeners tuning in, um, where can they access, you know, this article or any more of your resources that you all may have or just to learn more about you guys? I oh, appreciate it, Terrence. So uh, if you Google um, HBR, mm -hmm. uh, how to grow your top line in a down market. 
uh, that's where you can find it. It's I think it's freely available on the, on the web, uh, at least for now, for a while. And sure. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know we want to. You know, I just want to say also uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on and and share Absolutely. perspectives here. And and to your point, um, if they if anyone wants to reach out with any questions or uh, any thoughts, they could just Google my name, Jason McDonald or Yale Kwan. Uh, on LinkedIn, we're, we're there. You can, you can find us. We're happy to uh, connect with folks and, and have a good conversation. And you can also come to alexpartners.com. We have an insight. There are a lot of different insights you can enjoy, and not just ourselves. Um, there are a lot of our, our practitioners for a lot of good articles. You can have a good insight around it. Okay. Thank you so much. Yale Kwan and Jason McDaniel. Thank you all so much. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a good one.